Alright, welcome back to another episode of How's the Pressure? I am your host, Haley Winter, and today I'm going to bring back Kirsten and Cynthia, which I interviewed them uh, two episodes ago. I talked with them about the base income for massage therapists, and I won't talk too much about that episode, but if you're interested in listening to it, it was aired about a month ago, and it's titled, How Much Do We Make?, Uh, For those of you who didn't listen to it and didn't hear the introduction for Cynthia and Kirsten, uh, they both have written articles for Massage Magazine. They teach together at the National Holistic Institute, which is also known as NHI. NHI is the largest massage college in California with 10 locations, offering an eight-month core curriculum program as well as continuing education programs. So in the previous episode, uh, Cynthia took the lead on the questions And for this go-around, we switched it up so that Kirsten takes the lead on the questions. But what questions, you may ask? What is today's topic? Well, if the title or the show notes haven't given it away, uh, we're talking about the dynamic and the difference between collaboration and referral. Now, some people might suggest that we're splitting hairs here, that there isn't too much of a distinction between the two. But as I think you'll see, the framework that Kirsten draws around collaboration has a richness and depth that belies the subtle difference you might find between these two in the dictionary. The values and insights I came away with from this conversation had strong parallels with my last guest, Doug Nelson, and what he had to say about how to stay engaged in the workplace. Asking more from yourself in service of your client does not always mean that it's going to be draining or unsustainable. If we do it right, it can actually enhance our experience, increase our income, and be a boost overall to our quality of life. Well, at this point, I think I should just leave you in the capable hands of Kirsten and Cynthia. I give you my conversation. All right. Well, I am so excited to have both Cynthia and Kirsten back. Welcome. Hello. Thank Hi. you for having us back. Yeah. Hello again. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we had a really interesting conversation last time, and I'm I'm excited for where this one can go. We're going to be talking about uh, the collaborative versus referral relationships that massage therapists tend to create, mm-hmm. and and where that where we may fall falter in in that uh, as we've gone so far, and and what present what potential we have moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, Kirsten, I know you. You talk a lot about this in, in some of your writings. For massage therapists, what would you say is the major difference between referral and collaboration? Right. So the I think the main difference is working, um, really working more uh, in isolation versus reaching out to the community of healthcare practitioners that can help um, work with a patient or client at any, at any time. So, you know, especially, you know, with core education, we're, we're told a lot with pathology or injury, you know, if, if you're in doubt, if you don't know what's going on with the body, then refer the person out. And, you know, there's no education on, well, wait a minute, if you refer that person to a doctor, what happens when they're into the, you know, um, final stage of healing and they really could use massage to, you know, help to collaboratively work on that patient so that they can get full functionality uh, back. It's, um, you know, and just the nature of massage therapy pr- uh, practice in general, we tend to always work in isolation behind closed doors. We don't really talk to other 
practitioners um, in the medical field or even in our own field. Hmm. Um, and I think what happens sometimes is people either um, sometimes fall into two categories. One is uh, I'm afraid to refer out because I may never see that client again. So I'm just going to keep working even though I'm not quite sure what's going on with the client. Um, the other end is, you know what, I'm just going to refer out and I don't know what else to do. So now I'm going to maybe lose that client because they don't realize that massage will be able to benefit whatever their condition is, uh, somewhere down the line. Hmm. So it sounds like the definition is about isolation with regards to communication. Is that right? Yes. So, uh, sending someone away versus leading them in a direction and then maintaining connection with that, with that with that client and mm-hmm. with the pra- the healthcare practitioner that's then working with them. Correct. Mm. But is it also the participation? Is there ongoing participation that's involved with, co- with collaboration, or is it? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so to be truly collaborative, um, you're in co- in communication not only with the with the client, and it's going to help the the outcomes with the client is going to help your relationship with the client because um, they're going to respect you more for saying, hey, you know what, we need help with this. Here's what I can do. And let me talk to your doctor, um, if you don't mind. And let me see what he found. We can talk about what we both found and see, uh, you know, come together with what's going to work best for your body in this, at this particular time. Hmm. So what do you think the most important piece of collaboration is for massage therapists, for themselves, not necessarily for the client, Mm -hmm. but for themselves? Well, I think, you know, we worry a lot about, um, in massage therapy, scope of practice. There's always a question, you know, is this in my scope of practice? Is this is outside my scope of practice. And the more we're collaborating with a variety of professionals, both within massage therapy, other, you know, people that specialize in other modalities than, than say, I do, um, the more I collaborate with, you know, a doctor, physical therapist, acupuncturist, um, the more I know that I'm staying within my, my scope of practice because we have multiple eyes and viewpoints looking at the same situation. Hmm. And do you feel like it also increases the, the therapist's personal growth and professional growth in terms of mm-hmm. their learning capacity when interacting with, with these other practitioners? Yes, yes, absolutely. And in turn, it's really going to, it helps to educate all these other practitioners about what I do. Right? It's the doctor now knows, oh, well, this therapist understands stages of healing, understands certain orthopedic tests, maybe, um, understands why she, she's referring this patient to me. Um, next time I see someone that comes in with this condition, I know that I can refer or collaborate with her on the muscular issues that this person is, is um, experiencing along with whatever condition that doctor is treating them. Uh, their patient for. Hmm. So that's, let's say, the the effect on the practitioner themselves. Mm-hmm. What about the community? How does collaboration affect the massage therapist community? Well, I think it, it actually kind of goes back to the conversation that we had, you know, last time we were here about pay, and it really um, boosts the, the whole profession, I think, as a whole. The more we're able to collaborate um, and be part of the medical community, be part of the medical conversation, um, the more elevated the profession as a whole will be. Yeah, that, that is definitely the true. And the more we collaborate with one another and take away the fear that is one pathway, you know, is a back and forth. 
And then we must educate the therapist on the, the HIPAA laws, right, the laws of that. But I told you earlier, like earlier, next, last time I was here, I mentioned about collaboration with all kinds of healthcare providers. HIPAA laws didn't exist. The best way to achieve collaboration is to get to know the consumer that you have in front of you often have a doctor, a healthcare provider, an acupuncturist, a psychologist, a nutritionist that they really like. You get to know through your, your client, your patient, you get to know another healthcare provider. And you're looking also for healthcare providers in different regions, not only of your state, of your city, but the country, because you're going to have clients from everywhere. And you have to have options. You cannot have only one acupuncturist, one Pilates, one craniosacral, one physical therapist, one MD. You must have many because that shows true collaboration. Because otherwise, people suspect that what you're doing is a back and forth. Right. It feels like Again, a, it, it comes it, from a place of scarcity. It, correct. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like that, but that's not the goal whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. So I love, uh, and that's, I would say, community-wise, it will make us stronger. Yeah. So It will wh- make us more visible. So what do you think the, the problem currently is with how massage therapists uh, generate or create their referral network? Um, well, you know, I think part of it is um, lack of confidence, uh, perhaps because of the type of education, lack of continuing education. Um, you know, core programs across the country are fantastic. They get you with those, those basic core massage therapy skills. I can go work, um, you know, in a number of different, you know, locations, but I... And, and there is work in core programs with that communication with other medical professionals, but until you continue that education, it's really difficult to take that first step. Well, I'm just a massage therapist. You know, how can I educate this doctor on what I'm seeing in this client? It, it just doesn't, um, you know, I, and, and, you know, often not having the um, assessment skills to truly even know what's happening in the client. Right. I mean, you have to have the information before you can have the confidence to distribute that information. Exactly. Correct. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And as a community, we use as an excuse not to do assessment because we can diagnose, which is what Kirsten mentioned, the scope of practice in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I find that to be often nowadays carried as an excuse because if we are able to assess and know that the first healthcare provider the person needs to see might not be massage and be able to collaborate with somebody else by first sending the consumer to the other individual, but then asking them, take my card and ask if they could talk to me, to you, to myself about you. And there is a law nowadays that you have to sign allowing them to have that permission then it, ha- then it creates the possibilities that Kirsten mentioned earlier, that we're going to go back and forth many times. The consumer is going to be happy. Therefore, the consumer is going to refer more people to you, and so is the healthcare provider. So now you got two instead of your isolation working alone. Mm. In accordance to continued education, they don't want a lot of massage therapists are afraid of not working because they're not making the money, and so they don't do continued education. Because they, they think they are losing money. Yeah. So we talk about this idea of referral, and I, I had a, a good conversation uh, on a podcast ago, a little while ago with Doug Nelson uh, about complacency. And mm-hmm. one of the things that came up was 
this idea that, you know, when something comes up, we just refer it out. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll just refer it out. And there's a, a, a limiting factor not only in this lack of communication with the other healthcare providers, but it's also a it puts a stopgap or a plug on our own personal and professional growth. Mm-hmm. We're not in, willing to take the step to investigate. I don't know this yet, but I will find it out. And even if I don't have the answer, maybe the other healthcare provider does have the answer, and that can inform my practice going forward. Exactly. And, you know, clients, when, you know, they come in and they want a massage and all, if all we tell them is, sorry, I can't work on this, you need to go see your, see your doctor, well, well, why? You know, I don't understand. You're my massage therapist. I come to you for everything. Why can't you help with this? And so um, being able to, you know, not diagnose, but further assess, being able to research and show that you understand research and where to find research, Right. There's a lot of um, research studies now out on the American Massage Therapy Association website. Every time there's a new study that shows the benefits of massage to certain conditions, it's posted there. So we that's AMTA. AMTA. Mm-hmm. Uh, dot org. Right. AMTA Massage. Dot org. Yeah. AMTA Massage. Dot org. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it helps arm us. You know, if we know that a client's coming in with a certain condition, and hey, there's an article that says specifically, here's a study that was done, the benefits of massage for this particular condition, and then, you know, we can educate them, we can educate whatever healthcare, other healthcare practitioners they're going to for this particular condition to see how we fit into the to the plan. Hmm. Why do you think that massage therapists tend to fall into this pattern of referring as opposed to collaborating? Um, you know, I'll say it again, I think it's, you know, education and not having the confidence, understanding the body as well as they could, not having the confidence in communicating about the body as well as, as they possibly could. I think one of the things that we teach in our neuromuscular therapy class is not just looking at the body, you know, the muscles as far as origin insertion and this muscle flexes the elbow, this muscle, you know, extends the shoulder, but it's how do all these muscles work together? How is everything functioning together? How should it, and what happens and what's the client doing when things go wrong and pain patterns start to happen? And so that, that ability to see everything within the client and not just looking at the shoulder if it's a shoulder issue, not just looking at the knee if it's a knee issue, but looking at how the entire client, you know, the body's, um, sorry, the client's entire body is functioning uh, together as a whole. Cynthia, what do you think? I no. find a lot of massage therapists sometimes don't even know how to refer because they don't know even how to do the proper assessment mm. to understand how to refer. And I'm not... Uh, uh, what happens is if they go on the pathway of referral is because they never got enough education to understand there is a global movement of integration and collaboration going on. And because we are starting like we started 30-something years ago, so you you haven't paid attention on your profession to pay, to see where the profession is. So the booklet uh, that Kirsten is referring is a booklet came in 2013, the value of the massage therapy profession within healthcare, and so we gather all the research that was that existed in the country. We hire a company, and 
we brought it down to what was really valuable in terms of results of research for headaches, low back pain, all the different types of pain management and so forth. And can you repeat the name of that, that booklet? The Value of Massage Therapy Within the Healthcare Professions. And where can they find The American in? Massage Therapy Association. You can, you can purchase yeah, that through the website? You, can, you don't it's purchase. It's free, free for free. the members. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, for our members. That, that's our, our job there. So, but, and we actually educate our, um, our students uh, at, at the Advanced Neuromuscular Therapy Program at NHI how to utilize that, how to create a portfolio for collaboration. Why is it needed? Responsible. You want to be responsible. We say as we enter the field of massage therapy, we are caring about our consumers. I, to be caring, I'm a nurse's background. To be caring, I have a huge responsibility in my shoulders. Muscles have the capability to mimic clinical conditions without the condition existing. Hmm. Supraspinatus, bursitis mimicker. Is it the bursitis or is it the muscle? You must assess because if you don't assess, what are you going to guess about it? <laughs> right. So, so these are reasons right. why they should collaborate and refer. But my question was why therapists fall into the pattern of doing it poorly? Because they didn't get enough education. Education. And, and they, are, they veer away from assessment with point blank, blunt excuses mm. that you are diagnosing instead of being safe. Mm-hmm. It's a plain excuse. Mm. So how can a massage therapist tell if they're collaborating well? Like, or in other words, what are some guidelines or best practices to collaborate with? Right. So again, you know, a lot of it is going to be how are you engaging with the client? How are you assessing the client? Um, it's you know, moving a little bit away from you know where a lot of um, you know spas and you know massage envies things like that, where it's you know back to back massage, not much time to greet the client, you know, th- get them on the table, get them out, um, getting away from the mentality that massage is strictly for relaxation. Right, there should be conversation happening with the client, and again, it's the those conversation skills. Well, what should I be asking the client? Right, a lot of times we don't know what to ask the client, or we're afraid to ask the questions. You know, so we're afraid of an answer that if I don't know, then I don't know how to respond, and so we'll just be quiet, and I'll put you on the table and and, and work through it. So, yeah, I think it's working on communication skills, understanding a deeper style of assessment when someone's coming to you with an ache or a pain or something that might be questionable. Um, I think that that's really where, where you need to begin because once you learn how to do a more complete assessment, learn what questions to ask of your client, um, the referral or more collaborative process will come more naturally. Hmm. And there's the other pathway, which is the the massage therapists, they are working in many different uh, spas, franchises, not to say the name of any of them in particular. Mm-hmm. As the the student or the graduate is doing an interview, I'm suggesting them to start asking, if they find in an assessment that the person cannot receive the massage, what is their policy? Because one of the issues that the therapist also, even though I said excuses, the other issue that the therapist is experiencing is if they have the experience to do the assessment and they're identifying that they cannot do the massage, they speak with the managers of whatever facility they are. The managers want that 
income to come in. So they suggest the therapist to work in another body part, in another area. Well, that is providing another service that got requested. That created the biggest complaint in the field of massage therapy service, which is we are not offering the consumer what they are requesting. Yeah, not giving what they want. Not giving mm-hmm. what they want, but it was created by a little bit by this behavior. So we need to educate the therapist to do a better interview, better interview skills, and also interviewing who they want to work for. That interview is happening one-sided. Hmm. And a, a massage therapist that has more education needs to start asking, what are your rules in accordance to effectiveness and safetiness of your consumer? Yeah. And should we collaborate and create an environment of collaboration with other healthcare providers so we can create a, even a better increase of business? Because as an individual therapist, that's what happened. I believe in a... In a any uh, spa could create an increase of their business if they allow. Another thing that is happening is they don't allow massage therapists to follow up with their clients to see how they feel the next day. Well, that's because they're worried about um, well, conflict of interest in stealing their clients. Isn't that right. sad? Are we going to have trust in ethical behavior and professional behaviors as we hire each other? You hire therapists that have more education, and that won't happen mm-hmm. because we don't need to. We have too many clients and well, consumers that never got massages. Also, if you're paying them a living wage, they're not going to jeopardize They're not going to do that. Right. They're not going to jeopardize that. That's correct. Um, well, this is interesting because there's also this this piece that comes out when you when you have someone that has come to you for a massage and you do an assessment and you discover that a massage is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. We're caring individuals. We get into this this profession mm-hmm. because we want to help people. And we're, we're people people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're afraid to disappoint. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a Absolutely. learning how to have the conversation where um, you can tell them that they're not going to get what they came for, but they're not going to be offended or disappointed in the end. Yeah. And again, it's that communication piece. It's how do you deliver that news to the client and let them know this is in your best interest. I could possibly harm you, right? You came to me for, for help so I could help make you feel better. And unfortunately, if I do what you're asking me today, um, I might actually make your situation worse. And so let's discuss this with you know, whoever you feel comfortable with. If you, your primary care physician happens to be an acupuncturist mm-hmm. or uh, a medical doctor, whoever that is, let's all have the conversation together, understand your condition more so that the next time you come by, I know exactly what I can do. Yeah, I think that there's a way in which this conversation with the proper education around communication can take the client, the, the therapist from thinking, I don't want to disappoint this person to... I'm going to let this, this person's going to feel grateful for yes. having this conversation. The, yeah, exactly. The, 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 it, it turns the table. It reframes it in their mm-hmm. mind and makes it more available to them. Exactly. Yeah. And the client is going to be forever grateful that, oh my goodness, my massage therapist is really taking a minute to step back and is, truly is concerned about what's going to be best for my body. And now I'm going to get the best care that's you know for me as an individual, as opposed to what it says in a textbook or... Mm-hmm. Maybe she's just guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, yeah. So I'm going to ask a question that I'm guessing the answer is going to be education, but I'm hoping <laughs> that there is a different answer or an additional answer. Mm-hmm. And that is, what is the greatest, the greatest barrier or the greatest obstacle or the greatest hurdle for us as massage therapists to start collaborating effectively? 
not be afraid mm -hmm. of communicate and not be afraid of being curious. It's not only education that is going to create you to be the best therapist, right? We had that little bit of a conversation before. If you, if you really are caring, which our profession states that, people sense that when you are in front of them, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they, they are very aware if your interest is just to do the massage so you can get your $50 on the end if that's what the amount of money you, you charge, or if you really want to, you're interested in me. So massage therapists sometimes are focusing on their specialties instead of the goal of the client. My entire career, I focus on the goal of the client. It's my first question is what's your goal? And there's no judgment. So you got her doing an activity, but did you like that activity? Yeah, so let's see if you can go get back to it. And we are going to find the pathway to do that not only just the two of us, I normally say to my consumers, if I could solve all your problems, I suggest you to run in the opposite direction because this is a very dangerous healthcare provider. <laughs> because mind and body work together right there is impossible for me to be doing that alone, right? Be daring. Be daring. Well, I think also um, don't be afraid to not know. You know, there's a lot of times where I have a client come in and we're assessing and we're trying to figure things out and I'm like, hey, how about we look this up together? Because I'm, you know, I know what I'm seeing and, and let's, you know, put together a plan together. So I'll open up a book or, you know, nowadays just go online, we'll research it together and be like, oh, okay, so this is the proper course. All right, now we're both educated. Does that mean, you know... Does that indicate collaboration? Okay, let's go ahead and see who you would want to collaborate with. Let me talk to that person as well, and let's put you know, put together a, um, a plan, for, you know, for you. Mm. I think there's a there's a way in which it takes a, it takes more courage to say I don't know mm -hmm. than it does to say, well, how about we just do this? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, and I think you know, in the end, clients really do appreciate when you say that you don't know and really they're going to appreciate it even more when they realize that you didn't just jump in and work on something that could have possibly harmed them. You know where we might be able to improve in collaboration among ourselves? If in the same spa environment, everybody is working in elements, origin, massage envy, all the therapists, they're working on all those different areas. If I, consumers go in different times, so to get the massages, if I see the, the, the client for the first time and I do an assessment, I do my soap notes and I leave the notes for the next therapist. So if the three of us are working in the same place, I go, hey, Holly, hey, Kirsten, I saw that person. This is what's happening there. Those are the things I did. Let's see what you can do. If we create collaboration amongst ourselves first, then we start understanding how we can help the person in front of us. Then I'm offering that session with all of us together, there's a greater possibility for that person to get better. And the consumer satisfaction will go skyrocket because it's showing that the business as a whole is focusing on me no matter what. And all their therapists are aware of what is going on. Hmm. And so the client will sign the HIPAA law. So if we create collaboration amongst ourselves first, because we all have different levels of interest, education, and personalities. That's how we choose some techniques sometimes. I like to do this and so forth. We have, mm -hmm. That's okay to be like that. Yeah, I think that there's a way in which I'm 
this this mental process, right? I think that massage therapists are in general pretty good at at telling other massage therapists what they have done mm-hmm. in general, especially if it's a success story, right. right? But there's a thing that happens in the brain when you don't know the answer where you get tight. Mm-hmm. And then the ability to be open and talk about things in in a a manner that's going to in a professional right. setting becomes more restricted, and I think that's where the if that can if that, if if that pattern can be broken to where right. when the conversation comes to or the the assessment leads to something that you don't know it doesn't mean that things are restricted it actually right. opens doors instead mm-hmm. of closes them. So yeah, you describe and I'm sorry, but you describe how we teach at the advanced neuromuscular therapy program the way we teach is i learned actually in medical schools because i taught at uci medical school is a team approach so the coach is the teacher but the students are coming and presenting they bring portions of the discussion of that day of class the first thing we all know is we are here to develop our skills and to get better at it the first thing we all know is we all don't have all the answers the first thing we all know is that in being in this building is okay not to know. That's beautiful. Why do you think I live here, I say to them. I live here because I don't know anything. I'm constantly learning. So once you, they start talking, once you're forced, we have five modules, right? The first module, you see a therapist going out there trembling, barely speaking out properly and so forth. By the time they are on the third module, they are using all this medical terminology, talking, helping the other student. So if you create the collaboration within the education of, of the, the therapist, when they go out there, they won't be afraid of working in collaboration because it will only create more business for them. We perceive differently, unfortunately, in our field. We perceive if I work alone, this is my client. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I had to substitute for, for therapists who something happened, tra- trips and stuff, how many times I had to say, no, you are their clients. You know, people will come to you, and that's not also professional. So learning to behave with one another and understanding that the consumer belongs to all of us and not to one. Yeah, they belong to themselves. It doesn't belong no, to anyone. It belongs right. to all of us right. and not to one. That's the thing. Yeah. Belongs to themselves. Better explanation. So last thought. Last thoughts on collaboration. Anything you want to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it just, again, I just think that the the path forward for the um, massage therapist, for massage therapy is to be more collaborative and to talk more with each other, to talk more with your clients, to assess more, um, as Cynthia says many times, be curious. The most important thing you can be as a massage therapist is be curious. Don't be afraid to delve a little deeper, ask a couple more questions. And yes, the client wants to get right on the table. And you're going to be doing a much better service by really getting a, you know, a better idea as to what's happening. And then if it, if what's happening, it, it, you know, is not something that you feel completely confident in working with, that's when collaboration needs to happen. Hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for having this conversation. I'm going to transition to a new segment, which is called Tales from the Tables. And it's really just a kind of a quick hit questions. So Cynthia, what is your favorite snack between clients? My favorite snack between clients? Yeah. The book. 
The book. <laughs> Feed the brain. My, my favorite yeah. snack is actually lots of water, telling the truth, and a fruit because it's easier. It doesn't stay in your hands. It's quick, right? So that, that was, was the case. And the book. Fruit and book. And then plus the doctors are always collaborating. So it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a constant thing. Book fruit. <clears throat> book fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten, what question do you wish you heard more from your students? Oh, my goodness. I, I feel like in teaching more like in our core program, I wish students were more curious about how to go about collaborating and how to ask questions of their clients, like in our student clinic. Um, you know, again, I think it's it's just um, students, I think at that level, don't even necessarily know the questions to ask. So, um, and then I feel like in our, you know, the mm. neuromuscular program, they really come prepared. They, they challenge me every day. Sometimes I wish they'd ask less questions. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Cynthia? No, I, I actually instigate the questions. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. I, the why of things and challenge the statements of the person who is in front of the room. You know, challenge in a, in a good sense. Right mm-hmm. to create more conversation, so there's a better understanding. Because let's face it, there's a lot of things in our field that haven't been proven yet. Yeah. I don't know if there's a necessity to prove telling the truth, but mm-hmm. for some people, there is that thirst. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask a question, and you can feel free not to answer it if you feel like it'll get you in trouble. Um, <clears throat> if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about massage in the world today, what would it be? Getting alone. Stop criticizing each other. Focus in the good for the profession. Don't think we're going to invent something that's going to reinvent the wheel. Let's get along and provide better lives for the massage therapist. And are you uh, appealing to policymakers? Are you appealing to massage therapists themselves? Uh, uh, I'm, appealing, I'm appealing to all policymakers. I'm appealing to organizations who are trying to reinvent the wheel and create more obstacles. When you mentioned about the biggest challenges of schools, right? It is expensive to own a school. It is expensive not only because of the rent, that this is because of the amount of fees we have to pay, right? For all the different things that we need to belong to provide the better opportunity for our students. And so you have many organizations coming to us, schools, and telling, we got to do that. You have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. But what are they doing to help the therapist to also do better? We are doing our jobs, and we are okay working with you. But we need to look into that. So there's a group of individuals now looking uh, into the education of teachers for massage therapy. Um, And like many, we... We are going from no education to now creating a three- to four-year education to be a teacher in massage therapy. Well, with all due respect, schools won't be able to afford a massage teacher that has that amount of education. So we need to bear the field. We need to look and go towards that direction like masters or, mm-hmm. you know, physiatrists, and te- you know, physiotherapists instead of massage therapy. The conversation we had last time we were here. So when you look into it, the, the goal of continuing the, the pathway of getting along, but do it incrementally, Yeah. you know. So I think what you're saying is that in order to keep progressing the field forward, we must all get along. And focus in the incremental changes. Stop saying, I can do better than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, need, we are in this together. So, Kirsten, 
Yeah. What do you um, say is the, if you could ma- wave a magic mm-hmm. wand, what would it be? The, the healthcare field truly accepting us as healthcare practitioners, being seen on an equal playing field as, um, you know, we're not necessarily doctors or physical therapists, but we're just as valuable as those practitioners in the well-being of patients. Hmm. All right. The best, complete the sentence, the best massage music is? The one the consumer likes the most at the moment. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Do you have the same answer? Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, if I had to to choose, um, I like classical music, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I pick music that's non-tonal, so it's uh, mm. uh, non-melodic. So it mm. uh, doesn't create a sound pattern that mm. people follow along. It doesn't, it doesn't attract attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, because I... I really believe that the the container and the stimulus you give the client creates an effect that if I give, because I see people that, frequently, that I give them the same soundtrack mm-hmm. over and over again so that they have the same re- physiological response. response when they walk mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to play the same music over and over again, I really don't want it stuck in my head. Oh, yeah. So right. if I fix, find something that's non-melodic, it's just tonal, then it doesn't get stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so those are the those are the things mm-hmm. I, I I pull in. Yeah, the, the reason oh, I say that because yeah. when I started, it was a tape deck thing. Yeah, and we used to have to carry everywhere. Mm. So one day I go, "Do you have a music that you like?" And they started, and then I start doing that. You should see to the kinds of music I did massages to. <laughs> and so I got used to it. Yep. And often nowadays, sometimes even no music. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially when I'm doing a more kind of um, neuromuscular-oriented session, um, I communicate a lot with the client. And again, it's you know the program that we teach as well. You know, you uh, you know every moment on the table, you want to get some sort of response from the client. You know, how's this feeling? Is your pain going down? Where are you feeling? It? What are you feeling now? And so, um, yeah, it, it, it's less distracting for the for the uh, the client. You know. Um, you know, again, when you're doing something that's more pain management, rehabilitative style, uh, you don't want the client to just fall asleep on the table because you want to know that you're making a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Lastly, what is your most and least favorite body part to work on? For me to work on as a practitioner? Yes. Hmm. Most favorite. Wow. That's so hard. That's why I asked it. I know. Uh, well, she doesn't even have an answer right away. Mm-mm. I've stumped <laughs> well, you. Well, yeah. no, because, because <laughs> the most favorite body part for me to work on is on the body part that the consumer is going to have a result and change their lives. That's mm. always the most favorite body part for me because mm. I love the human body from toes to nose. I love the, the brain. Mm-hmm. The, I, I love everything about it since I'm a very little girl. So uh, the reason I got quiet because I thought uh, I thought about Dr. Travell and, uh, and what she said. And at one point it was the soleus, the other point was the, uh, you know, was the iliosoas and so forth. But the reality of it is, is what I can help with that consumer in front of me. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden is my favorite body part, which is why I'm a professional learner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the favorite body part for me is the one that there is a need. Yeah, I would say to piggyback on that actually is, you know, working with the the client that's so insistent that they need body work in a certain area. And as a 
practitioner and assessing the client, I realize I know that they need where they actually need body work is in a, is in a different area, and they haven't made it to that um, connection. that connection or that step in trust where they're they're willing to let me. Uh, I'll work where you want me to work. Yes, absolutely. Um, and please let me work where it's really going to help you. <laughs> please. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you guys so much for your honesty and your openness. Uh, before we go, do you have any questions for me? I don't know. What I'm, is your favorite yeah. body part? Ah, right My favorite body part? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has changed over the years. Um, I would say right now it's the soleus. Um, mm-hmm. And almost always that favorite body part has correlated to the education of my clients and mm-hmm. the one that is the the least familiar to my clients and helping my clients discover mm-hmm. more about themselves leads to a uh, work general work satisfaction for me mm-hmm. that's great and so the the soleus uh, of late has been um some of the more mm-hmm. <clears throat> evocative mm-hmm. has led to more evocative conversations. The nickname of the solis is jogger's heel. Mm-hmm. Creates a lot of heel pain, right? Mm-hmm. The other nickname is the second heart of the body, because its rhythmic contraction is what helps the return of blood flow into the heart. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that it is the heart, the second heart of the body, is yet another yeah. reason why it can be my favorite body yeah. part. Exactly, <laughs> I love it. my favorite I love body it. part for now. Yes. That's exactly it. Well, well yeah. again, thank you so much for, for dropping in, you guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure we'll meet again and have another mm-hmm. fan- fascinating conversation. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and review it on iTunes. And if you have any questions that you had wished I had asked or topics you want me to cover in the future, please visit the website at www.housethepressure.com where you can send me an email and hopefully I can include it. Until next time, be good and be well. Be well.